coming up, a bunch of new hip-hop from the month of April. But first this. These are Suggestions Mum, your fix of new music straight from your boy James Palm. Pleasure to be here again. We have got an all-hip-hop edition this episode. Quite a bit came out in April, I must say. March had a few strong entries into the hip-hop field, but big month of April. Some big releases, a couple underground ones. We're going to touch on all of that coming up in this ep. So strap yourself in. We've got new, we've got old, we've got all flavors. But we're starting out with maybe my most personally anticipated release of April. Just putting my bias out there up front. We have album number four from jazz bass icon Thundercat. It's called It Is What It Is. And what it is, is awesome! That was a video game reference there, which was appropriate since there's about 60 dropped by Thundercat himself throughout this album. In fact, two songs sound like they are music from Sonic the Hedgehog games. Maybe Cat wrote those hoping to get them on the soundtrack to the film? Possible? Or maybe he's just a sick bassist who's been constantly pushing his craft since the turn of the decade, and he's gone all out with new ways to expand his sound. For the uninitiated... His sound involves high-tempo bass licks and sweet, soulful crooning. Miguel's Happy Dance and Funny Thing are great examples of this, as well as the influence of producer and constant collaborator Flying Lotus. But over his last couple of albums, Cat's style has gotten even more soul-adjacent, and that trend continues here. Black Qualls has a juicy guitar lick, and brings together soul singers from three different generations. Dragon Ball Durag, Contender for Best Track, is a funny but sweet song about the titular fashion icon. At this point in the album, the tone takes a bit of a turn. The tempo slows down, the fun stops, Cat starts to reflect on the death of his good friend Mac Miller, even bringing in some of his key collaborators, Ty Dolla Sign and Lil B, for Fair Chance. On the closing title track, we get some interplay between Cat's bass and Pedro Martin's guitar, which echoes a bit of a 60s ballad, right after Cat states flatly, Hey Mac, it's a, it's a very mournful way to finish what is, for the most part, a really positive album. It certainly doesn't lessen it, though. I loved this album. If you do not enjoy Thundercat, I don't think that we can be friends. Hey, it is what it is. This party has six tisms. Okay, next up is Canadian rapper Tory Lanes and his latest release, The New Toronto 3. Lanes has had five full albums in five years. That is impressive stuff. Props slash hate, though, on him for becoming the first rapper of 2020 to rap about COVID-19. Yep. He drops a line on Dope Boy's diary that goes, Guns closer than the sirens. See if them boys try me. Bitch, I'm opening the fire, catching bodies like corona in the virus. 
He really ups himself on that track too. I'd swear he actually shouts out Beyonce at the end, maybe. Might have to confirm that. The album here has equal parts singing and rapping. It's in the modern vein of heavy auto-tune singing, of course. But Lanes is actually a pretty decent rapper. His flow works well with his beats, especially when we start getting some more old-school R&B grooves later in the album, like Adidas and Back in Business. There's somewhat of a narrative to the album. Some lines get repeated and songs throw back to earlier ones, but this is mainly just about calling his ex a bitch. We, we get it, Tori. You're doing good. Calm down. On that note, the bitch count is high for this album. Uh, I'm not a prude, even though it just sounded like it, but it took me out a little bit of it, though. Stupid Again, the song is still a really nice club anthem with a Conor McGregor sample to kick things off. Broke in a minute and do the most, uh, all about where Lane's come from and the success he has now. Like most hip-hop artists, he ain't shy about it. He's got one song called Ten Fucks, and you can imagine what that's all about. Uh, that song, as well as Accidents Happen, also really good tunes. It's a good album. Um, definitely would be hearing this on a pickup basketball court if we were allowed outside right now. Tory Lane's The New Toronto 3 gets four tisms. Would have been funny to give it three, I guess, but you know, nah, we'll, we'll go with four. Next up, slightly south of Canada, to Brooklyn Zoo! Yes, the debut album from 23-year-old rapper 22Gs, called Growth and Development. Despite his age, Gs is considered a pioneer of the Brooklyn drill scene, a subculture that takes characteristics from UK grime. Drill music originated in Chicago, kind of reflecting the violent history of that city. Drill, in general, is a more nihilist style of hip-hop, closer aligned to the gangster rap of the 90s rather than the party rap. And it's reflected in the lyrics. There's no song here that doesn't discuss shooting a guy. Blicky is his name for his gun, and you hear it a lot. Blicky Gang Freestyle features the rappers from his side group, which is, funnily enough, Blicky Gang. And it's actually some of the best rapping on the album. The production is the main feature, though. It's much more ominous sound than you'll hear with Tory Lanez. You are convinced that G's ain't lying about being hard in the game when you hear the tense 808 clicks on No Questions or the eerie keys on Careers. His worldview is dark, and it's reflected here. But it's not all scary street music. Four Times is firmly into club, despite being a song about drive-bys. What else? Pop Out has a catchy hook. And Suburban Part 2 has the most enthusiastic rapping on the album. I enjoyed that one. I did dig parts of this, but it's not necessarily the content I want from my hip-hop. I, I know the 16-year-old version of me is about to slap the 34-year-old version of me, but the gun stuff is just too much for me. Uh, <laughs> I know a lot of the hip-hop I've enjoyed over the years and continue to enjoy has been about violence. I get that. But I also know a lot of that talk was bullshit. Uh, it doesn't feel like bullshit here. It dominates the album, this stuff. So, look, 22Gs gets three tisms to his party. There was one more member here, but they left once the music started. Uh, there's some nice beats here, though. Three tisms. And now we come to a different flavor of hip-hop. Not a gun to be seen on this album. Uh, it's... Another anticipated one for me, it's album number four from experimental duo Shabazz Palaces. This one's called 
the Don of Diamond Dreams. Former Digital Planets member Ishmael Butler is at the head of this project and has been churning out this weird, futuristic, minimalist hip-hop for the last decade. Their last album showed some signs of mainstream appeal with an actual single, Shine the Light. I thought, like Thundercat earlier, that this may have hinted at a new direction, but this album is ultimately familiar territory. Adventures, two words, starts us off with some plucky bass, which gets way thicker on Fast Learner as the effects just get cranked way up. Wet features the usual cadence that's become Butler's signature with a beat made of computer beeps. Chocolate Souffle is probably the best track and definitely the most delicious. It's the most straightforward thing on the album. It actually feels like something Kanye West might have made uh, if he hadn't turned into a piece of shit. After that, the album kind of plods along. Nothing overly exciting pops up. Diamond Dreams just feels like a more reserved, less challenging listen than previous Shabazz albums. Which is a weird criticism, I know, that something is, oh, this was too easy to listen to, this album, God. No, I, I say this as a fan, that this is not as outlandish as previous efforts. And I like the outlandish stuff, it's great. I just compare the simplicity of a song here, like Bad Bitch Walkin', to something like Forerunner Foray from another album. I still recommend this album if you like weirdo hip-hop. Shabazz Palaces have four tisms at the party this time around. Next up is a more traditional album. We've got the surprise new one from Long Island rapper R.A. The Rugged Man, his first in seven years. It's called All My Heroes Are Dead. R.A. bets that most people thought he was dead too, but as he explains on the title track, he was just off raising two kids. Makes sense. This is the triumphant return of an MC who started out at age 18 in the late 90s, but is only now releasing his third full length. Legendary Loser is the second track on the album, and it's kind of how he views his own career. R.A. recognizes that he is outdated in the music biz now. Golden Oldies and Hate Speech, two songs there, posit him as an old man yelling at new age rappers from his porch. These songs in particular have big 90s throwback party vibes. EKNY is a throwback as well, but to the grimy and dangerous New York of the 70s and 80s. That song features Inspector Deck, another New Yorker, who is one of a murderer's row of legendary MCs guesting on this album. Ghostface Killer, Chuck D, Cool G Rap, Master Killer, Immortal Technique, Ice-T, Vinny Paz, Atmosphere, even DJ Jazzy Jeff shows up behind the decks on Gotta Be Dope. Just, they keep coming, it's huge. That song there, Gotta Be Dope, is a rap battle between R.A. and guest Afro, who both obviously set out to try and beat the words per minute world record. Not sure if they pipped Eminem or not, but they go bloody close. The whole album features some incredible rapping by R.A. His speed is unbelievable, but he can flow slowly as well. His rhyming structure rivals MF Doom at times. That's lofty air right there. You can't do it justice by quoting bars. You, you've just got to listen to him. There's a big old school party vibe here, but a couple of doses of harsh reality as well. Wondering tells the twin stories of a girl who's been assaulted and a boy who becomes a junkie. Firstborn is about breaking up with the mother of his children. 
Angelic Boy is a confessional track about RA's own struggles growing up. It's a huge album, 76 minutes. The only criticism I have is that it does go a bit too long. After seven years away, I understand why you'd go over an hour, and especially when you have all of those guests as well. But there's a couple of tracks down the line that they probably could have cut. Regardless, this is a great hip-hop album for the old-school fans. There are five tisms at this party. I swear I saw a sixth. Maybe he ducked out early. But definitely check out R.A. the Rugged Man. All my heroes are dead. Now we have another 90s throwback. It's Westside Gun and his third full-length Pray for Paris. Gun is out of Buffalo, just north of New York, and has been making a name for himself with various independent releases over the last decade. This is the most sample-heavy, I think, of any of the hip-hop on this episode so far. Much more of the Wu-Tang soul style, which will always get points from me. Gun, as well, has a very similar style and tone of rapping to Ghostface Killer, which nearly ruins him for me. The same way I don't really vibe to Action Bronson. Ghostface is like top two MCs of all time for me, so this is important. <laughs> but Gun isn't nearly as egregious as Bronson, and he's a little bit older than him as well, so he gets away with it. Westside also has a penchant for dropping numerous references to pro wrestling, so that's another tick from me. Pray for Paris isn't short on big-time guests either. We've got Joey Badass and Tyler the Creator on 327. Freddie Gibbs pops up on $500 Ounces. And we also hear from Westside's label mates, Benny the Butcher and Conway the Machine. Most of the tracks here sample piano, whether it's Jazzy Keys on George Bondo, or Bright Scales on French Toast, or the warped reverb of Allah Sent Me. Plenty of smooth soul goodness as well on Eurostep, Party with Pop Smoke, and Versace. The last one uses some girl group vocal samples for the hook as well. Very tasty. The album has a bit of hype in the underground rap scene, actually. And after all of the build-up, it's a bit subdued as a whole. I enjoyed it. Decent listen. It didn't really have the same fire as R.A. the Rugged Man, especially. So... This party has four tisms at it. That other party next door is drawing a lot of attention. Alright, folks. Can you say quantity over quality? Because that's what we're going to next here. We've got the eighth release in five years from North Carolina rapper DaBaby. This one is called Blame It On Baby. I admire this guy's gumption, really. He decided in 2014, just, I'm going to be a rapper now. Just did it. And within five years, he signed to a major label. Respect. Now, this one here is a tight little 33 minutes. It's much more typical of modern hip-hop with heavy bass beats and plenty of sad shit. There's literally a song called Sad Shit. <laughs> it's right there. Auto-tune vocals are plenty. It's the works here, folks. Lots of solid features, though. We've got Roddy Rich, Future... Megan the Stallion gets to own the 90s groove nasty at the end of the album. And they help, because I'm still not entirely sold on DaBaby's flow. His choruses are solid, no doubt, but the rapping here is at least average. Side note here, uh, it is 
pleasing for me to hear that Giannis Adetokounmpo is now getting as many shout-outs as LeBron James on rap tracks like this, especially on this album. They each get one shout-out per song, I swear. Uh, but it's good that the new superstar has arrived. Side note, as I said, the album never really switches gear. There's a couple of worthy dance floor tunes in Talk About It and Jump, but the best track is probably the opener, ironically called Can't Stop. It's just the same beat the whole album. A good beat, but not endlessly, you know? I liked it on my first listen, but I listened to it first out of all of the hip-hop that we've been through today, and my opinion of it quickly diminished. Not much else to say, unfortunately. Uh, DaBaby has some great other tracks from previous albums, but this party here only has three tisms. Blame it on DaBaby, I guess. Ugh, terrible joke, mate. Now it's time for the biggest of the throwback vibes this episode. We have the latest from DJ and producer RJD2. It's his 11th full-length release, and it's appropriately called The Fun Ones. RJ has spent his career making instrumental soul and jazz inspired by hip-hop. This album, though, is a continuation of the 70s funk soul vibe that he's been firmly entrenched in since he created his own label back in 2009. And I can confirm that this one is funky as fuck. I've been swearing so much on this. <laughs> I've had to quote so much swearing from songs this episode. May as well swear some myself. Uh, no Helmet Up Indianola and Indoor S'mores open up the album with some sax-laden goodness that echo the meters. Pull Up on Love could easily be a James Brown song. 20 Grand Palace has those little Isaac Hayes string flourishes that just explode into this super tasty lick. It's not all instrumental, though. One of a kind gets some guest rapping from Homeboy Sandman. A Gentle Gentleman features some verses from constant collaborator AC Alone. All I'm After has some smooth falsetto from Jordan Brown. No relation. Kari Martin raps on Pull Up On Love, which really is a standout track. Apart from that, the only vocals we hear are cuts from interviews at the end of some songs with some of RJ's peers like Kid Koala and Mr. Lip. They each talk about what music means to them and how young people have never heard the music that inspires them. That's just getting old, guys. It happens. Speaking of the future, things get kind of futuristic and trippy on a few tracks, like High Street Will Never Die and Gentle Gentleman, appropriate since the album cover features RJ hovering above a DeLorean. So that's the vibe. I liked the deviation from the non-stop funk as the fun ones clocks in at 54 minutes, so variety, as always, helps the time flow by. This album is what it promises on the label. I enjoyed the nostalgic ride, I always do, with RJ's stuff. This party has four tisms. And finally, we come to the third album from Canadian R&B duo DVSN, who are producer 1985 and singer Daniel Daly. These guys are on Drake's Ovo label and have featured on some of his tracks in the past. I can only hope that, unlike Drake, these two are not overrated pedophiles. Which is a fun way to start a review, isn't it? <laughs> Alright, my personal Drake beef aside, this album is called Amuse In Her Feelings and is a big slab of mid-tempo jams. Daily is a decent crooner, and it's actually nice to hear vocals that haven't been auto-tuned to hell, especially on Still Pray For You. It's not entirely free of auto-tune, though. We'll put that out there as well. 
Courtside follows that song up with a great sports analogy for dating before the heavy bass of Miss Me. The music is mostly modern. The closest we get to the past is Dangerous City with a bit of a classic R&B beat. Big features here as well with names like Ty Dollar Sign, Party Next Door, Buju Banton and Future. The only problem is that these guys tend to feature on every album, so no one's appearance is particularly impressive. But then that comes down more to the production, I feel. And there's no variety in the beats here at all. I feel like the same beat that accompanied Opener No Good is the same one we're still hearing 50 minutes in. There's a song called Outlandish, which is really basic, actually. The final track might be the best song. That's a heavy synth slow jam with a real strong Blood Orange vibe. Again, I feel like whenever I rant on an album being boring, it seems like I'm missing the point of music that, like this, is obviously intended to be chill. I can dig chill music, and I dig this enough not to hate it. But Amuse in Her Feelings could only muster disinterest from me. At 56 minutes, it's too long and too repetitive. DVSN have three tisms at their party. That'll do it for now, folks. Sorry to end on a down note there at the end, but there were plenty of good recommendations throughout the episode today that you should be satisfied. Thanks for listening in once again. When will the next episode be? Hopefully next week. We'll see if we can get this cracking on weekly. Hopefully there is enough new music to talk about. Whether it's good or bad, we'll find out together. No Facebook or Twitter as of yet to plug, folks. I have been advised that a social media presence would be good for any kind of podcast, so I will begrudgingly get some socials together soon, and we can uh, engage and talk music via text as well, listeners. Won't that be good? Yes. Until I get my proverbial shit together, thanks for listening, folks. We'll catch you next time. My name is James Palm, and as always, these are Suggestions, Mum. <laughs>